welcome to this week's edition of the Blazing Grace Show with your host Rob McIntyre, Jason Graves, and Mike Janung. It's sponsored by AffordableConferencing.com. For teleconferencing service anywhere in the nation, call 888-968-6186 or visit them on the web at AffordableConferencing.com. That's AffordableConferencing.com. Easy, affordable conference calling. Thanks for listening. And now here's your hosts, Rob, Jason, and Mike. Welcome back to the Blazing Grace Show. This is your host, Jason Graves, along with my co-host, Mike Janung. Hello, Mike. Hey, Jason. How you doing, brother? I'm doing pretty good. You know, it was a nice, uh, it was a nice week. I'm glad it's Saturday. <laughs> I'm glad to be on the air on 100.7 KGFT. How about you? Oh, it's a good day. It's a beautiful thing. And of course, our our co-host Rob McIntyre is still on sabbatical. Hopefully, will be joining us very soon here. But we've got an interesting show today. We're going to be talking with Carol, who is a spouse of a sex addict. So we're going to be getting her perspective. In fact, we'll meet with her this week and next week. And so, Carol, welcome to the show. Thank you. It's a pleasure to be here. Absolutely. It's a pleasure to have you. I really appreciate Thanks. you taking the time and just being so vulnerable. And, uh, you know, you're, you've got a story here that, you know, you've, you've come um, out of an experience with, with your husband, who is uh, your ex-husband now, and who has dealt with sexual addiction. And we'll get into talking about what that looked like for you, but just to kind of go over your story a little bit, um, you know, you had a normal Christian family, what or so you thought. Mm-hmm. Um, you went to church every week. Mm-hmm. Uh, your husband taught Sunday school for years and read his Bible and prayed often. Your teenage daughter was involved in church too. Yes. Um, everything seemed fine until your daughter started kind of dipping into suicidal depression, and and then you had a sense that something was seriously wrong in your family. Uh, after all, people don't slip into depression without a reason, right? Uh, so you began pressing for answers and later discovered that your husband had a serious problem with sex addiction and his secret sin had been corrupting every aspect of your lives together. So mm-hmm. I'm just curious, uh, what did that involve? What did that look like? And, and how did this come into the light? It was a bit of a process. Um, when my daughter fell into the suicidal depression, we were eating dinner on a Saturday night. Mm-hmm. And my husband and I were sitting at the table eating sweet and sour pork. <laughs> and my daughter just dissolved into a puddle of tears on the kitchen floor mm. right in front of us. And my ex just looked at me and said, what's wrong with her? Mm. And I just went to her and held her and said, what's wrong? And she said, I'm so depressed. If this is as good as life gets, Mom, I don't want to live. Mm-hmm. Um, and she really couldn't tell me a whole lot at that point. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I think, too, because her dad was sitting at the table um, and she was hesitant to, to to talk about how his behavior affected her. She just told me the basics. And so um, um, I called a friend. We prayed together. I got her out of the house. We went to another friend's house. And at that point, she just started to tell me um all she really knew was just that her dad acted strange. <laughs> mm, mm-hmm. um, he couldn't have real conversations with her. He mm-hmm. couldn't look her in the eye. Um, he couldn't really look anybody in the eye. Mm-hmm. Um, he was very moody, mm-hmm. very withdrawn. And she was 16 at the time, and I think she was starting to get an adult mind and mm-hmm. starting mm-hmm. to, she was real involved in youth group. 
And there were a lot of adults in youth group who helped with the teenagers. And she just saw real healthy relationships in the church, mm-hmm. and she realized she didn't have that. Wow, so it really impacted her. Yeah. How did the the information about his sex addiction come into the light? Well, at that point, I just, you know, I kind of had suspected for years, but I didn't really have the word sex addiction in mm-hmm. my mind. Mm-hmm. I hadn't heard that word. And so when I knew my daughter was in suicidal depression, um, despair. I just got her out of the house. I didn't want her to have to live with that. And I thought, well, why should I live with this? <laughs> mm-hmm. And I didn't really have a name for it, except that I knew he was really, really depressed. Mm. And re- it was like a dark cloud was always hanging over the house. Mm. That much I knew. Um, and I went to one of the, the counseling pastor in my church. Um, and when, and I just said, I don't know what's wrong, but mm-hmm. his depression is, depression is impacting us greatly. And this counseling pastor took my um, Joe, my ex, out to lunch and just kind of had a sense Mm -hmm. that there might be something wrong sexually Mm -hmm. and started to probe and ask questions and got my ex to admit Mm -hmm. that he had a real problem with lust. Right. And it just kind of blew the lid off of it. And how did that problem manifest in terms of behaviors in his life without going into too much details? But what, what, what kind of things was he struggling with? He struggled with porn and masturbation. Uh-huh. Um, he also did struggle, I came to find out later on, with prostitutes. Um, and he prof- and my understanding was, through the years of therapy that we went through, that it was prostitutes. Mm-hmm. He never really went for affairs because a woman required relationship. Mm-hmm. He wanted just something fast and easy. So, um, and actually when I would be gone from the house, when my daughter and I were gone from the house, that's when he would bring a prostitute into our home, into mm-hmm. our bedroom. Disappointing. Well, well, I, if you're just joining us, you know, we're in, in studio with Carol, our guest today, talking about being a spouse of a sex addict. And of course, now she's an ex-spouse of a sex addict mm-hmm. who unfortunately, uh, as far as you know, is still not in recovery. But we're just getting her story. We're going to talk in this first show today uh, about her experience living with and dealing with sex addiction. And then next week, we'll be talking about the impact on her family. But Mike, you had some questions. Carol, you told me about a time when you walked in on your husband late at night. Uh-huh. Tell us what happened. Um, it was late at night, and and I woke up, I don't know, probably midnight, 2 in the morning, um, and I could hear the television in the other room. I knew that um, Joe was awake, and I thought, well, he must be worried about something, not be able to sleep. I'll go see if he wants to talk or pray. And I walked in the room, and I saw these scrambled I- images on the television, and I thought, what is he doing watching these scrambled images? And then it hit me. It was a Playboy channel. Mm. It was naked women. I was absolutely stunned. Mm. And he was glued to that television screen. He didn't know you were in the room? No, he didn't even know I was in the room. Blew me away how he could be watching these scrambled images Mm -hmm. of naked women Mm. in our living room. And so then, then what happened? Um, well, I realized it wasn't going to go away. <laughs> and I just said, what are you doing? Um, 
And that jolted him. I mean, mm-hmm. I said it loud. Right. <laughs> I said it loud. Um, what are you doing? And it jolted him. And he just turned around and looked at me. And um, um, he was mad at first. And then he just kind of composed himself and sort of put the front on and said, oh, I was just channel surfing. And I, I you know, I stumbled across this. Mm. Um, and I just didn't know what else to do. So I just went back to bed and, of course, didn't sleep. Um, and I talked to some friends about it later, and, and they just told me, well, it's probably just an isolated incident. He probably was channel surfing and feeling stress about work and, you know, saw that, and it got his attention for a few minutes. Mm-hmm. Right. Why do you think he was angry? Um, it was his little personal world. Mm-hmm. It was his little fantasy world, and I had intruded. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was an inconvenience, wasn't it? Mm-hmm. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and when you think about it, you know, you talked you talked about him having to compose himself. Yeah. You know, men really are when they're acting out, they're in a different uh, mindset. Was. They're in a totally different mode. It's like you go into an altered state of consciousness, really. And uh, that's what is so damaging about being involved with pornography and yeah. fantasy is that you're not engaged in the real. You're engaged in what seems real. Yeah. But when, when all uh, when all the chips are down and at the end of the day, it's really the skin of the truth stuffed with a lie, uh-huh. isn't it? And, yeah. and so the effects on you, obviously, in that moment were that you couldn't sleep. But what were some of the other effects, maybe midterm and long term? Oh, my gosh. Um, my trust was just totally shattered. Mm-hmm. Absolutely, positively shattered. Um, and I had... From my own background and upbringing, I had kind of learned to stuff difficult right. things. Right. And I didn't want to face that. And and none of my Christian friends or the church at that time wanted to face that. Mm-hmm. So I was surrounded by people who wanted to stuff it. And so I tried to stuff it. Mm-hmm. Um, it didn't really work. Right. Um, it, I mean, I would, it didn't. Right. I would be in the middle of cooking dinner and just break down in tears. Right. Um. Or in rage, rage. Yeah. I mean, I would throw things and I would say, I don't know why I'm so angry. You know, mm-hmm. he would do something small, like forget to take the garbage out or something. And I would just erupt into rage. Right. And so I displaced my emotion in different places. Yeah. Yeah. And that's very common because the reason why we get angry is because we've been hurt. Yeah. You know, we, we're sad. Uh, anger is a secondary emotion. Mm-hmm. It comes from sadness. We get sad because we're hurt. Mm-hmm. And so we need to do, we need to treat that anger appropriately. Mm-hmm. We need to be responsible for it. And I think, you know, if you're uh, honest with yourself, you'd probably say it's fair to say that I was being irresponsible with my anger. Oh, absolutely. Until you woke up and started to do something about it. Yes. People deal with anger two different ways, uh, irresponsibly. One end of the scale is rage, uh-huh. like what you're talking about. And then the other end is passive aggression or depression. Mm-hmm. Depression is what we know is kind of like anger turned inwards. Mm-hmm. And so... You know, there is, uh, there is a, a common thread, and it, it, you should be angry, but you should also do something responsible with your anger. Isn't that right, Mike? Mm-hmm. Well, and, and I'd like to know, too, you said you, after you caught your husband, mm-hmm. was that the first time that you saw anything like that? Or did you, was that the first time that you became aware of what he was doing? Um, yes, that was the first time I became aware that it was outside the marriage. Mm. Um, um, he, our sexual relationship was always difficult, but I thought it was always contained within the marriage. So when did you come to the knowledge of 
I'm married to a guy who's a sex addict. When did that happen? That was really uh, when my when our daughter was 16 and she was so depressed that I got her out of the home. Um, and that's when it all came to light. I had a pastor go to him and say, come on, Joe, you know, you're depressed for a reason. Mm-hmm. Why are you acting like this? Um, and that's when it all came out. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. Now, many people think that just pornography and masturbation is harmless and it doesn't hurt anyone. Mm-hmm. Uh, what is your take on this? Oh, that's a big fat lie. Mm. That's evil. Mm-hmm. I think that's an evil lie. Mm. It really is. I was never the woman. I was never me. Mm-hmm. I was never me. He always looked at me like I was a fantasy. And when I did not fulfill his fantasy, life was awful. And I can't fulfill that fantasy. Right. I don't want to. Right. Yeah. No, you want to be you. Yeah. You want to be loved for who you are. Yes. That's that's why pornography, and, and you know, we're going to get into a little bit more on the effects of the family. Uh-huh. Um, but in terms of the effects for the wife, that's one of the things that women struggle with the most is that, hey, I can't be these airbrushed images on TV, on TV or in the magazines. Mm-hmm. I'm me. I'll never be those. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I hear that from a lot of women whose husbands struggle with same-sex attractions as well. Hey, I can't be a man. I have to be, you know, I can only be me. Yeah. So, you know, there's a common there's a common thing there. If you're just tuning in, Welcome to The Blazing Gray Show. This is Jason Graves along with Mike Janung. We're sitting here today with Carol, who is a spouse, uh, now an ex-spouse, of a sex addict. We're talking about her journey and, and the effects of uh, her on her life because of sex addiction. And uh, join us next week when we're going to be talking about the effects on her family. Of course, you can get an archived copy of the show today at blazinggrace.org forward slash radio dot htm. And you can get uh, an MP3 that you can download to your, your computer or your uh, your iPod. Give it a tune in. Um, we'd love to hear your feedback, too. So you can email us at mike at blazinggrace.org. But let's talk a little bit more with you, Carol. I'm just wondering, um, in terms of the challenges that you've faced beginning your own healing and recovery mm-hmm. process, because right now, you know, your husband is not in a healing process. And, you know, women, as we know, take uh, different timelines in terms of getting ready to do their own recovery process because the fact was you weren't driving the car when it crashed but you were a passenger you've sustained your own injuries and now you need some healing of your own isn't that right yes what's that been like for you yeah that has been uh painful Mm -hmm. but marvelous Mm. marvelous it's like learning how to fly Mm -hmm. it really is wow um um the church didn't always respond in the way that i wanted them and needed them to respond but God always has some people. <laughs> he always does. I mean, I just think in the Old Testament when Elijah thought he was the only one and God said, no, I've saved a remnant. And he led me to them. Mm-hmm. He did. Um, I had wonderful counseling. I had wonderful support from some Christian friends who believed me. Mm-hmm. And what was incredible to me was um, when my ex and I would go for counseling together, for pastoral counseling together, um, it never quite worked because the pastor never, the pastor that would counsel us together as a couple, just basically the attitude was, well, if you would, um, Carol, if you would take care of his needs, he mm-hmm. wouldn't need mm-hmm. to do that. Mm. 
Wow. Your body is not your own. First mm. Corinthians seven. It belongs to your husband. So blaming and, you. In yeah. Case, yeah. But when people got to know me and it was what the reason people believed me was they saw the pain. Mm hmm. I was very real about my pain. Right. And when people saw me be real about my pain, they believed me. Hmm. And that just blew me away. Hmm. So, you know, I would, I had days and days where all I could do was cry and just to get rid of the pain, mm -hmm. just to cleanse. And that's really painful and hard, but God was with me and God was weeping with me and he drew me to his heart. Mm-hmm. And to who he is and his, how he can sustain me. And I couldn't experience that unless I was real with him. Right. So the tears were so cleansing. Right. And, and, and real believers who had the Holy Spirit inside them could see that in me. Mm -hmm. yeah. And that just blew me away how real God is in his people. Mm -hmm. Was there anything in this process that God had you look at? Was there any was there any part of yours that you had to look at in this whole situation? Yeah, covering up, mm -hmm. stuffing oh, really? it. Yeah, yeah, face it. I know you might be surprised to hear that, Mike, because <laughs> you know me now. <laughs> Denial ain't just a river in the Jordan, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> okay, tell us, tell us about that. How did that play out for you? Um, well, when I real, when our daughter got so depressed that she was suicidal, mm -hmm. that was just a huge kick. That was, uh, that was huge. Mm -hmm. Um, I could stuff a lot. I, I was willing to, I was willing to play the victim a lot, right? which is not godly. Mm -hmm. But when I saw it really hitting my daughter, I said, that's it. That's enough. Um, and that's really what jolted me into into starting to get real about the pain. And I mm -hmm. think my tears came first for her. That's my tears came first for her. Mm -hmm. And then the Lord would just say, but there's stuff in there for you too. There's pain in there that you feel too. Right. Um, and so remind me your question again, Mike. Was there anything that God showed you that you needed to, to look at or deal with yes. in this whole process? Any kind of part that you played that yeah. maybe didn't help? Um, through the whole situation? Yeah, holding him accountable. Mm. Like, for example, wow. when I knew that he was um, involved with prostitutes, um, which is bad enough, but in our home, he mm. actually found um, a madam who took credit cards <sighs> because he never had cash. When we realized he did prostitutes, we made sure he didn't have cash, the counselor and I, and uh, he found somebody who would take a credit card I, and and when I realized that he was doing that, I could not be sexually intimate with him. Um, I just said, there's a, a huge repair, repair process that mm -hmm. has to go on here. Huge. Well, not to mention pr uh, protecting yourself from disease. Oh, yes, absolutely. Mm -hmm. um, I actually ha asked him to be tested for every single STD that there is. One of, one of the tests for a man is very painful. The one for chlamydia is extremely painful for a man. And I said... I need, you need to get those test results and I need to see the printed results. Mm -hmm. Good for you. And I, you know, and I did have pastors tell me, not all, but few. I mean, Joe was just wonderful at finding the kind of pastors who would say, you know, honey, the problem really is you. Mm, right. <laughs> Don't withhold your body. Right. And I just stood firm and said no. Well, if you, if you had a message 
to pastors because honestly, uh, you buy what you sell. All right. Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of pastors who don't have their own issues in order. Okay. So they're going to buy that kind of a story because they're not accountable to anybody in their own sexuality. Pastors are just like anybody else. They're a human being. They're a man. So if you have a message to pastors who are the first line of defense, mm-hmm. they get this stuff before anybody most often. Mm-hmm. Uh, I get more referrals from pastors than any other people group. So if you have a message to pastors about how to deal with these situations and how to care for the hearts of, of wives, what would that message be? Believe the damage. Mm-hmm. Believe the damage. I love the book of Jeremiah. God's heart weeps. I mean, when I started to heal, that book meant made so much sense to me. Mm-hmm. People would go out, and I, I'm kind of paraphrasing the language, but, you know, God is saying you go out and you lay under a tree and you you commit adultery with right. with idols, and God's heart weeps. Right. I mean, weep mm-hmm. for crying out loud. Mm-hmm. Don't be afraid to weep. Right. Do you think maybe they're intimidated about touching into your pain? I think, yeah, Mike, thanks for putting words to that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I do. That's a good I point. Do. And it is an intimidating thing. I mean, when I've got a guy and, a, and, a, and his wife in my counseling office, mm-hmm. it's a scary thing to have to confront a man. Yeah. You know, sometimes they, they want to bolt. Uh-huh. Sometimes they want to react. Mm-hmm. Sometimes they can take it. Mm-hmm. But... I empathize with pastors because it is difficult. It is challenging. It's not what you signed up for when you went to Bible seminary. Okay. All right. So, but, but pastors out there, listen to me. It's important for you to step up to the plate and be God's man in these types of situations. You need to start where God starts. Mm -hmm. God starts with the man. He looks at the sexuality of a man before he judges a nation, whether they're holy or unholy sexually. Mm -hmm. Just look at Leviticus. All right. So pastors, don't be afraid. The Bible says clear, it's clear. It says, be strong and courageous. Do not be afraid. Mm-hmm. And if a wife comes to you complaining about this problem, mm-hmm. you need to, number one, take them seriously. Mm-hmm. Make sure you can rule this out. Okay? And, uh, and so, you know, people are using therapeutic polygraphs these days. Uh, people are getting involved with, you know, counselors. It's a, it's a problem that, that needs to be handled that way. Otherwise, all that's left is yeah. what, like what Carol experienced, and is that is just wastelands. Mm-hmm. You know, if you had, if you, don't you have the sense, Carol, that if you would have had the proper care, mm-hmm. that this could have been taken care of, and he could have been set free from all this. Yeah, if he wanted to be set free. Right, you got to yeah. want it. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I was set free. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But did anybody at any point tell Joe, Joe, you can be free from this one hundred percent? Did and did you ever hear anybody say that to him? I heard counselor say, I heard the right counselor say it. Mm-hmm. The right Christian counselor who specialized with sex addiction did mm. say that. Thank God. Yeah. Thank yeah, God. And I, and I know Mike said it too. Great. He came to our group a few times a number mm-hmm. of years ago. And, and the first step in dealing with this is moving out of isolation. Right. And he wasn't willing to go to that point. Right. Mm-hmm. And you know what? This is my message for men because, guys, listen. No man is an island. You cannot take care of this thing by yourself, and you certainly can't take care of it by sweeping it under the rug. You have to deal with it. But the great news is, is when you get it out into the light, that's God's light. Light has warmth, okay? So when you put God's light and his warmth on your problem, you're going to get better. Mm -hmm. But when you keep it in the cold, dark to yourself, 
that's where the devil's got you by yourself. And he can do a work on you and keep you in your problem. Or you may choose to white knuckle it, you know, and not do the behavior and neglect the inner healing. Yeah. And that's not helping you either. Yeah. Yeah. We went through that Mm -hmm. white knuckling it. Mm -hmm. What would today, if you had to do it over again, what would that accountability look like in your marriage? Thanks for bringing that word up, Mike. That was the word that I, I wanted to hear that word again. Um, cause it's so misused, mm-hmm. um, healthy, godly accountability. Um, remind me your question again. What would that accountability look like in your marriage? If you're going to hold your husband accountable to what he was doing or where he was going? Oh, golly. Um, I hope I'm not jumping ahead too far. I would look at how he was loving other men in the body and letting other men love him. That's smart. And the word accountability has the word account in it. Accountants use numbers. Mm-hmm. So just wrapping up here because we need to end. But uh, men, you need to get accountable. You need to be reporting how, you know, how you're doing in God's word, how you're doing with staying free from this stuff. And women, you need to take a stand to be responsible for your marriage and ask him to do this if you think there's a problem. Listen, we, we want to wrap up. Okay. Carol, thanks for being with us. We'll look forward to being with you next week. And when we talk about being the wife of a sex addict and the effects on your family. So again, if you missed today's broadcast, you can go to www.blazinggrace.org for an archived copy. So, Mike, until next week, take care and have a great week. So long. All right. God bless everyone. Here's a reminder from our friends at affordableconferencing.com. Counselors, business owners, nonprofits, and trainers, do you need unlimited flat rate conference calling? Then call our good friend Tom Parker at Affordable Conferencing, where his teleconferencing service allows you to conduct unlimited calls for one flat monthly fee. That means no more per-minute, per-person charges. Go to affordableconferencing.com or simply call toll-free, 888-968-6186. Jason and Rob know he saved them thousands of dollars. That's Tom Parker at Affordable Conferencing, 888-968-6186. And remember, if you'd like a downloadable copy of today's broadcast, visit blazinggrace.org. That's B-L-A-Z-I-N-G-G-R-A-C-E dot O-R-G. And if you need to speak to a therapist, you can call Rob McIntyre at 593-1163 or Jason Graves at 590-7685. Thanks for tuning in to Blazing Grace. We'll be back again next week. Be sure to tune in at 11 o'clock right here on 100.7 KGFT.